Hey everybody, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for information and inspiration on the conscious parenting journey. I am Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and honored to be your guide in the work of showing up as your best for yourself and your family. If you feel as though parenting is one long personal growth and development workshop, you have come to the right place. The conversations you will hear on this podcast are all intended to offer you tools for moving forward, for expanding your lens, for shifting your narrative to one of possibility, connection, and empowerment. You can be the parent you want to be. We are influencing the world with how we raise our children. When we bring deep listening, acceptance, and courage to our relationships, we are doing our part to evoke it in the world. I am thrilled to partner with you on this path. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, listeners, my guest today is Jeremy Schneider. Jeremy is a marriage and family therapist whose career spans more than 15 years of working with individuals and families, focusing on parenting, relationships, and mental health. He is the author of Fatherhood in 40-Minute Snapshots, a book that reveals how love for oneself, his children, and family can flourish over time. Jeremy has been featured in the New York Times, the Today Show, and CNN, and has been a speaker on panels in New York, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Liverpool, England. He lives and works in New York City with his wife, Jem, and his son and daughter, Lucas and Dorit. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Please share with the listeners a bit more about how you found yourself doing what you do. Uh, That's a good question. I actually wanted to be a therapist since I was nine years old. Uh, so, you know, it was a, a long, long process. Um, and you know, it, things really started to change for me, obviously when, um, uh, my kids were born, they're twins. Um, mm. uh, they're now, uh, 15. Oh, uh, so I've got solidarity two teenagers, right? Right. <laughs> oh I, my gosh. I thought you might like that. <laughs> um, so two teenagers at the same time is, yeah. um, you know, it's just a breeze. There's no totally. problems whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I, I sleep well at night. I'm not stressed. I'm really relaxed. You know, there's no issues. Um, and you know, but after they were born, I, I really started realizing, you know, I didn't have a good uh, childhood growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, I, I wanted to do it differently than the way it was done to me mm-hmm. and started really thinking about, well, I, I don't know how to do it. And I found for me that writing in the morning was this incredibly valuable tool to help me think through what I was doing, what was happening in my family, gave me kind of a chance to take a step back. And then the advantage I had, even though I was commuting into the city every day, the advantage I had was that I had this 40 minute train ride Mm -hmm. and I used this 40 minute train ride to start writing about my kids when they were about one and a half and I haven't stopped. And about a year ago two, almost two years ago, I realized, you know, I I think I have, uh, I have the makings of a book. Um, and of course I wanted to call it fatherhood and 40 minute snapshots because I wrote them in these literally in 40 minutes, each little article was written in 40 minutes. And it's like a snapshot in time of what we were experiencing as a family, what my struggle was as a dad, Mm -hmm. you know, what thing I had tried that somehow had worked and made a difference in my family or in my children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wanted to, I wanted to share that. And it's, it's kind of split up into different categories. So you can kind of look at oh, I want to just see some stuff on sleep or I want to see some stuff on bonding or, you know, I want to look at, you know, getting ready before they're born and thinking about that. Um, So that's kind of how it's how it is. And that's really what I've been working on. Yeah, I'm looking at your book right now. I'm so glad that I got a chance to check it out. And my husband really liked it, too. He read it cover to cover. Um, Aww. yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I finally figured out how to get him to read parenting books. <laughs> <laughs> I just leave them by the toilet. I know that's a little crude, <laughs> but it is super useful listeners. I'm telling you, it's really like, Oh, look, there's a new book here. I'll just kind of check it out. And especially when they're really well written, you know, and intriguing, they get read. So 
what did you notice? So you started, and I think I was laughing, you started writing when they were about 18 months old. So I'm guessing with twins, did that feel like when you finally kind of came out of the fog of two babies? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> oh man, I can only uh, I, imagine. I, absolutely what happened. I mean, yeah. I, we probably started to come out of the fog around 16 months mm -hmm. when she um, wasn't breastfeeding anymore. Mm -hmm. And they were just like mostly sleeping through the night. You know, mm -hmm. when, yeah, I think you probably remember this when you get like, be, for me at least, when you get beyond four hours of sleep in a row, oh, yeah. it just makes such a huge difference. But I, I you know, that first year is such a blur. Mm -hmm. I, I have such little memory of it. It was so terrible. <laughs> and I mean, I loved having them, but I, it's intense. I mean, it's why, you know, it's when you realize like sleep deprivation is a great torture technique because oh, yeah. I just, I couldn't think right. I couldn't, you know, everything just, uh, it was so hard. And then yeah. of course I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been a parent before. And all of a sudden, instead of starting with one, I was starting with two. So it was just, yeah. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit as you began to kind of process your experience and notice where you were feeling challenged, what, if any, did you, what were the dots that you were connecting around the modeling that you had and how you were showing up and, and where things were hard? Because I've shared a lot on the show around, you know, my own experience with that. And, you know, there was a pretty severe pendulum swing in my household growing up around deeply loving and then hurtful. And I declared, of course, that is not the parent, the mother that I'm going to be. And then here I am with this three-year-old in front of me. And wow, that pendulum swing actually lives inside of me. Um, and so, you know, I talk about my work of really learning more about myself, recognizing where my conditioning is guiding me versus my own deep desire to be the mom I want to be. What's been your experience with that? Well, I think, I mean, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And I mm -hmm. think I have so many reactions to it. I, I'm not even sure which one to start with, to be honest. I mm -hmm. think, you know, one of the things that I realized early on is that it's so hard to not be something versus mm -hmm. trying to be something, right? So I, yeah. I knew what I didn't want to be. I didn't necessarily know what that translated to into like daily actions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, you have this, well, I don't want to be like that, but then how do you know what to be like? And so that took a lot of time for me to kind of think it through, really figure out, you know, what were some of my principles of parenting? You know, mm -hmm. what were, what was my vision for my children? And mm -hmm. I think what really helped me was thinking about, well, so, when they're 25 or 30, mm -hmm. what kind of people do I want them to be? Mm -hmm. And, and of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I want them to know they're loved. Mm -hmm. I want them to have this foundation of unconditional love, no matter what happens in their life, no matter what goes on, that they'll know even at 30, that we're there for them, we love them, and that whatever choices they make, whatever things happen, nothing can change that. Mm -hmm. And obviously that I, I didn't have that. And so that was a big push for me. But I also think that's a really important foundation for people to have, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you start thinking about acceptance, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of unconditional acceptance as well. How do you, how do you do that? And then you start thinking about, well, I want them to be good people. How do you sort of create good people? You know, what are the things that I need to do as a person and as a parent to help them be good people? And then also to sort of, you know, one of the things that I learned in my marriage and family therapy program that really stuck with me was this idea that every step that I take in my personal growth is one less step that they have to take. Oh, that's a uh, great way to put it. And I, and I love that, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just this idea that if I work on my stuff, one, that stuff is less likely to affect them. Mm -hmm. Two, they're less likely to learn it from me. Yes. So that it gives them a little bit better shot. Now, you know, 
I'm, we're, we're always going to be working on ourselves. We mm -hmm. can never be perfect. And that obviously should never be an expectation of ourselves. But, you know, especially those of us who grew up in a difficult home, the idea of personal growth, self-awareness, self-understanding, and being able to be, as I like to say, kind of better parents, partners, and people, that to me was one of the driving forces in the way that I was as a parent and, and the way I've been as a husband and, and frankly, the way I am as a person. I mean, I, I, I knew I had a lot of work to do to overcome what happened to me. And so, you know, that it really kind of drove where I was going. And then of course, when the kids were born, that the kind of urgency to it mm. magnified intensely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is even before the question of how do I do this, I'm hearing you talk about that awareness and that willingness to create a vision and to look through the lens of, you know, I want to do things thinking about the long term versus the short term. And I love what you said. Um, all the work that we do on ourselves is, you know, such a gift to our kids because otherwise yeah. we're just basically passing it on. But that takes a certain level of awareness that there's work to be done. Yes. Right. It, it, <laughs> so, it does. yeah. And so my come from, so today, everyone, I'm so excited that Jeremy's here because we are going to talk about co-parenting and being in alignment or not with our partner and how no matter where each of us is, we can find places of connection. So my come from is positive discipline. And I don't know how familiar you are with positive discipline, Jeremy, but um, it's a real paradigm shift in looking at and responding to behavior. It, it kind of turns, well, it does turn the punishment reward behaviorist model on its head and embraces Adlerian theory, which that's the basis of positive discipline, which finds behavior as purposive and goal-oriented and most importantly, understanding that it is movement in the direction of our perception, our human perception of belonging and significance. So it moves the focus from, as parents, from what should we do to our kids to get them to behave towards what's happening for our kids right now and what are the skills or tools they need to move through it. And I would add, how do I be with it in a way that is helpful and not hurtful? And sometimes when there is some misunderstanding around that or, or you know, just surface level understanding, this approach can seem or be portrayed as soft or permissive. Um, and again, that's really a misunderstood perspective of it. And, you know, shout out to all of the conscious dads that are listening and that I've worked with that have shown up to my parenting classes that are the ones that are calling and saying, I would love for my wife and I to do some coaching with you. I appreciate you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And the vast majority of my listeners and the vast majority of the people that I work with are the moms. And what I hear over and over again is this work, both positive discipline and personal growth, which there's a lot in positive discipline, like you can't (laughs) not grow as a human if you're working, you know, inside of the container of positive discipline, it's just impossible. And it's so powerful, right? So the moms are saying, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. It's making such a difference. And how do I get my partner on board? So you work with families and I love that you were getting the male perspective. What are the trends that you're seeing with the roles of around the roles that dads are taking in parenting and has it changed over the course of your career? What are you noticing? I definitely, I think about a lot, um, you know, fatherhood involvement or dad involvement. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, certainly in my dad's generation, right. If you were to survey people our age and say, hey, how many of your dads were really involved? They uh, were there to pick you up after school or were there at dinner every night or were involved in the activities that you did or listened to the challenges that you were dealing with in middle school and high school, things like that, you would get a very small percentage, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the amount of dads that are now involved dads these days in their 20s and 30s is extraordinary Mm -hmm. and that's certainly one of the biggest things that i've seen and it's it's crazy you can see it now even on television commercials you know television commercials that used to be so mommy centric are now you're seeing just more dads either in the commercial or as the sole focus of the commercial Mm -hmm. and not as a joke Right. Right. Not as like, oh, look at this goofy dad, you know, but as a dad that's actually caring and involved with their kids. I think that's a huge shift. And I think it's one of the things that I've most enjoyed about kind of this time in the parenting spectrum, you know, Mm -hmm. is that you, you really can see more dads, not only involved, but proud of, you know, and I'm going to take some time off of I'm going to have a more flexible schedule Mm -hmm. because being around for my kids is more important to me Mm -hmm. than it was in the past. Uh, And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen. I think one of the challenges, and I, you know, I hope all of your mother fans can understand this. I think one of the challenges is that historically parenting has been the way that mom wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And one of the adjustments that this fatherhood involvement I find is causing is that that's not quite okay anymore, right? right? Mom doesn't get to rule, and I don't mean that in a in a obnoxious way, right, right. but doesn't get to rule the way the house runs. That still happens, certainly in many scenarios, but I think men are saying, no, 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 wait, it's not, we're not following your path we need to find a path together that we mm-hmm. both agree on that is good for our kids. Yeah. And I think what's it's created a whole series of conversations about the intricacies of parenting that I think most people in those twenties and thirties 
were frankly unprepared for, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't see that kind of parenting as they were growing up and don't really, you know, we don't, nobody teaches about parenting. I mean, you teach about parenting, right? We don't learn about parenting in school, right? right. We don't right. really learn about parenting in college. We really learn about parenting on the fly, which is like the craziest thing in the world, right? It's the most important job we ever have. And we make it up as we go along, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's not get me started on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even for me, and I'm sure this is the same for you. It's like, we have our educational background. I have information and I'm also very much in the thick of fear and, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? And right, right. like, I'm in it, you know, right. I'm totally in it. And I hear what yeah, you're no. saying. I hear what you're saying around you know, it's this, and I kind of think it's the kind of the same thing around the roles of the mother shifting as well. And like taking a more vocal stance around things like finances and bills and, you know, being in the workplace. And so I can see in like the, it's all these moving parts. Yeah. That may not have been what was modeled for us. Right. May not and have I think been. Adds, and it adds a complexity, I think, mm -hmm. to parenting that was I, I think it's unexpected for a lot of people, right? Right. Because they thought that there was this sort of path and they learned a certain path. But when they got to this point in their own lives, they're like, wait, that I, I want it like this. Now I don't know how to do it, you know? And I think this is where the sort of, you know, I always think that the relationship, the, the, the two parent relationship mm. And again, whether that's male, female, 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 male, mm -hmm. male mm -hmm. is unimportant to me, but it's that bond. That's the foundation of a family. Right. Again, divorces happen. It doesn't mean the family is dead or anything like that. But if you have two people raising a child, that is the foundation. And if they don't treat it as such, it obviously has enormous amounts of problems. And I think that's communication, but it's also, you know, I like to tell parents when they're pregnant or thinking about having a child to, you know, go out to dinner, neutral location, maybe, you know, if you want to use your phone, if you want to use a pad of paper and just start thinking about this 30 year old, 25 year old mm -hmm. child of yours mm -hmm. and what do they look like? You mm -hmm. know, what kind of conversation are they having? What kind of relationship are mm -hmm. they having? And you know, start to kind of work backwards from that. Yeah. Uh, and, and what are the kind of qualities that make up that kind of person? And then what are the things that we need to do as parents to encourage and support and kind of free those qualities to, to come out? Right. So, yes, so important. And what a great start to building that foundation. And... Let's go kind of extreme and say, okay, so let's talk about the parent and maybe it's the mom, maybe it's the dad who has really deep dived into learning about parenting and really appreciating, you know, considering the context of, of my content, really appreciating this positive discipline, this different way of looking at behavior, of wanting to be in relationship with the kids. And the partners come from really being, no, we need to dis discipline, you know, discipline as code word for, we need to give them con consequences and punishments. We need to be hard on them. This is too soft, you know, and then that disconnect, which happens, right? And sometimes, you know, we aren't, we just don't realize we should be having these conversations early on and we just roll into it and maybe find ourselves with school age kids or even teenagers and the parenting styles are so different. And one parent is really seeing how the fuel that's being added to the fire through their partners doing the best they can with all the love that they have for their kids, but, but really their ignorance around behavior and and what's going on under the surface, you know, we get excited and we want to share and we want to support them. And I think sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we don't always know the best way to open up these conversations. So as the other person doesn't slip into being defensive or, 
you know, shutting us out or this is how I was parented and I'm fine, that conversation. So what tips can you give to listeners about how to be, you know, gentle with the other person and to really come from a place like we do with our kids of being helpful and not hurtful? Because ultimately we want the other person to hear us while also listening deeply to them. So what are your tips around that? It's and I think, huge question. I think there's a, a few things. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I know you, <laughs> I'm you're good not like throwing that. me any softballs here, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think there's a, a couple of thoughts. One is, and, and this is, you know, the, the way you think about, uh, the way you talk about uh, positive discipline, a positive parenting approach, mm-hmm. I, I think holds for relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we want to be, we want to come to people in a place where they're at mm-hmm. and help them and, and be able to be empathic to what their experience is and be able to help them kind of get to a better place. So if we're working on the assumption that this, and we can just say father for the time being, that okay. this dad wants to be better, mm-hmm. but is stuck in some, if you want to call it traditional thinking and a traditional mindset or a mm-hmm. stereotypical mindset mm-hmm. about the way parenting should be. Right. I think one of the first things to think about is sort of what's his background, what's his experience, mm-hmm. what's his relationship with his parents. And can we talk to him in a way that is empathetic to his experience and his understanding, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to come at someone like that uh, head on. Right. Right. Um, because it's very easy for them to get defensive. Right. Some of their sort of reasoning behind their behavior may very well be this kind of, uh, worry about what's happening to their kids if mm-hmm. this doesn't get better. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we, you know, we see our kids doing something that we did, or we're so scared that we almost did or something mm-hmm. that we, we lash out, right? Because it's our fear of where we're afraid they're going to go, not actually fear of where they are. Mm -hmm. And so where's this dad coming from that kind of thing and kind of coming at him from a different perspective and trying to help him talk about, I think what he's looking for, for his Mm -hmm. kids Mm -hmm. and what he wants and trying to sort of gently help him see, Hey, wait a second. If this is what you want, and again, not coming head on because that's going to challenge a defensiveness for him. But if this is what you want, what other ways can you behave that would help your child get there? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. I think I find a lot, and, and there are studies that absolutely support this, Fathers who learn more about the importance of being involved as a dad Mm -hmm. become more involved dads. Mm -hmm. And I think too many men have grown up and watched men play a peripheral role in parenting, but then have grown up and wondered, do I really have something to give? Yeah. And to me, that's one of the saddest things, right? Like, what what do you mean you don't have something to give? You're is good person. You're a caring person. You're a loving person. Mm-hmm. Like your kid desperately needs that. You have so much to give that I think we often forget the power we have as parents. And I don't mean like abusive power. I mean, though of course that can happen, but mm-hmm. I mean, the power we have to influence and affect our children yeah. is enormous. And I think that can be very scary for some parents. But I think also, particularly for dads, there can be this, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm not confident in what I'm doing. And she seems like she's fine. Like she seems, you know, mm-hmm. his, his partner, like he feels like she's doing really well. And so what else could I bring them mm-hmm. without sort of understanding there's a whole other dynamic involved in a father-child relationship yeah. and that there's a real benefit, not just for kids with two parents, again, whether they're the same gender or whether living in the same house or not, right. there's a, there is a, you know, a, a psychological scientific benefit for kids with two parents, but also, you know, one of the greatest things in the world that I've experienced is how much I've learned from my kids 
in interacting with them. I mean, the things that they've taught me that I just didn't, whether it's, you know, possibly how to be a little bit more cool, which has been helpful, but also <laughs> just like, you know, the, the, the subject matters that they're fascinated by that I didn't know anything about. Right. right. So a great example of that, that I love talking about is, is, um, Broadway. I, mm-hmm. I had no interest in Broadway, both my kids, uh, extremely interested in Broadway and instead of going, well, I don't really know anything about this, fine. I was fortunate enough to say, well, what do you like about it? Yeah. Like, explain it to me or show me, like play me the songs that you like. And some of them I didn't like, you know, and that's fine. But some of them I was like, wow, this is amazing. I, I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm ever going to love Broadway the way they do, mm-hmm. but it's become this thing that we can bond over now because I was fortunate to just be able to say, Hey, tell me about it. Like, this is something I don't really know much about. And so I think, you know, those two things, you know, the being able to come at a dad from another angle, being able to help a dad learn about it, whether that's, you know, printing out a little article that talks about, you know, dad involvement or whether it's sharing a study, depending on the kind of man that he is, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people really do well looking at a scientific study and some people do better with kind of a more anecdotal Mm -hmm. approach. And that's, that's the approach that I use in my book. That's what I like about it is I enjoy talking about myself. So I, I enjoy writing about myself. So the, you know, my stories are more anecdotal. And so some people learn better that way. Um, so kind of finding where the little crevices right. are to reach him, I think is what's really important. Yeah, looking for the opening. I really appreciate that. Hey, listeners, I'm just popping in real quick to remind you that one of the ways that you can work with me is through private one-on-one coaching. I am a certified positive discipline trainer as well as a certified life coach. And I love working one-on-one with clients to tease apart the challenges that they're having, as well as help them build a foundation around being the kind of parent that they want to be. If you are interested in learning more about coaching, you can go to www.joyfulcourage.com slash coaching. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. That's www.joyfulcourage.com slash coaching. And if you're interested, you are welcome to schedule a free 20-minute explore call with me at any time. Back to the show. 
what came up for me also is the importance that fathers have towards interrupting the conditioning of our culture around the messages that boys specifically are getting around, you know, expressing feelings, being affectionate, you know, because... Yes. And I listened to you talk about Broadway and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I wish that my kids were interested in Broadway because they love trap, which is an offshoot of <laughs> rap. And it's yeah. really, do you know what it is? Yeah. Okay. Of course you do. Cause you have 15 year olds. <laughs> um, and it's like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and I've asked them like, tell me what you like about this and let's listen to it together. And then I'm just so, I feel so old yeah. and so appalled and I get to just love them and hug them and have conversations around messages. And I ask questions like, so how would you, like, if you were hanging out with people and they were, they maybe weren't wrapping this conversation, but they were speaking it out loud, would you want to hang out with them? And they're, they both look at me like, I'm insane. Like, no, <laughs> but that's not what's happening here, mom. And I get to be like, okay, okay. You know, but, and Fortnite as well. So my son is 13. So he is in the Fortnite phenomenon right now. And, you know, sitting down with him and and he loves to try to teach me how to play. Um, and I get to just push aside my whole, oh my gosh, this is such a waste of time and recognize actually, this is an amazing use of time because I'm connecting with my 13 year old son. Um, and yeah. And so connecting with them, seeing them, being with them where they're at, and being willing to have hard conversations and be a model, especially for our sons, around being emotionally expressive, right? And and yeah. and it's not easy for everyone. Like it's it's easy to say, hey dads, you need to be more affectionate and emotionally expressive with your boys. And they might even think, like, yeah, I do. I I want this for them. And being in it you know, any, any kind of new type of behavior is so challenging. So how do we, as the, as their partners help them, right? Because it's vulnerable and, and even the women have a hard time with vulnerability, you know, and even like, and there's variance between like, it doesn't, it's not a woman thing or a man thing. It's just a thing. Yeah. And something that I do, and, and I would love to hear what, like how you support couples in your practice is I'm, I'm really big on being transparent and authentic in all the relationships in my life. And so one of the things that I invite parents to think about, and it's, I love what you said. Yes. Positive discipline. We call it parenting, but it's humaning, right? It's being in relationship with the people in your life. And so Mm -hmm. I really encourage parents to, to, when it's time, when their opportunity presents itself, when there's an opening, or crevice or whatever to really say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling nervous about bringing this up because I don't want you to feel like I'm being hurtful or, or, or trying to make you feel less than as a way and, and starting off that way as so that the soil is more nurtured and neutral to have hard conversations about how can we both show up better for our kids? Because that list that you were talking about you know, our kids 30 at age 30, we, you know, I don't want anyone to think like, oh shoot, I missed that opportunity. Like you can always make that list, (laughs) right? Right. Whether your child is 15 or eight or in utero, but how do you support couples, you know, in, in the, in the process of opening or one person in the process with trying to open up a conversation with the other, what are some tips that you share that are useful? I mean, I think you're, point about how to approach it makes a lot of sense. I think it's also thinking about, again, kind of going back to a little bit what I said earlier, but the same idea of sort of understanding where he's at as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier to say, he's not doing what I want him to do, mm-hmm. or what I think he should be doing, versus what are you trying to do? Like, what are you thinking about when you're parenting? And you know, what are you feeling when you're parenting? Because, you know, some of that can just be so much of that, like struggle with the self-worth. Some of that can be, 
sort of exactly what you were talking about earlier, it can be that, well, no, 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 I, I need to toughen him up. He needs to be harder. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, and, and, you know, that is a very real experience for some men. Mm -hmm. I obviously highly recommend against that, but yeah. that is a, an absolute uh, experience for some men, that perception that we need to be harder and we need to be tougher. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, I think the only way we can break that, frankly, is by raising more emotionally intelligent and sensitive young men, mm -hmm. because I think that's, I mean, that's the future and from my perspective, right? That's the yeah. future. We're going yeah. in that direction anyway. Right. We might as well just accelerate that by allowing our boys to experience feelings um, like a human. Yeah. Uh, that only seems fair. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, again, and I, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but I do think that it's the same kind of sort of understanding where this dad is coming from. Yeah. Because I think once we can understand kind of where their mind is when they're parenting, it's a lot easier to start thinking about, oh, okay, you did it because of this. I get that. That makes sense. I can understand that, mm -hmm. you know? One of the things that I've done in that situation has been, you know, and then you're kind of sharing interactions back and forth versus uh, 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 assessing his parental style and applying critics or critiques right. of it. Right. right. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I, I really think that so much of, yes, there are some men out there who are just not ready to be a parent. Mm -hmm. But I think more often, just like there's some women out there that are not ready to be a parent. But mm -hmm. I think more often than not, the when I've run into men who are struggling with parenting or maybe not being the kind of parent even they hope they would be, it's often one because of something they went through in their childhood and they haven't quite figured that out or they haven't gotten over it yet. Yeah. Or two, it's because they just don't, they don't know, right? They don't have enough information. They don't have enough experience. And no one really ever said to them, Hey, you just keep trying until you figure something out. You just keep practicing until you get better at it. Mm -hmm. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, if we could teach people who are about to become parents, those two things, one, a lot of parenting is about experimentation, right? Yeah. You just don't know what's going to work. And frankly, even if you figure out what works, it might not work in six months and it might not work with your other child. Right. 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 And two is you just get better the more you do it. Yeah. And so just keep trying because you're going to get better. Just like if you're good at exercising or if you're good at playing a sport or if you're good at doing technology or if you're good at writing like whatever it is you got good at it because you did it a lot mm -hmm. you've never really done parenting give yourself a chance to to do it more and you'll find that it pays off in dividends yeah. And listening to you, I'm really coming back to all of the tools that we use in positive discipline, which is connecting before correcting or redirecting. I often encourage parents when trying to solve problems with their kids to start off with, yeah, tell me about your experience with this. How does that, how did that feel for you? Because it, we are so full of assumptions and so often miss the mark because we think we know what the other person is experiencing. And what I'm really listening into as you talk is for couples, for mothers to really listen into the experience that their partners are having inside of parenting and listening without judgment so that they can say, yeah, I, this is hard and scary for me. And I know I'm getting it wrong and I don't know what else to do. Or yeah, this is hard and scary for me, but I feel really strongly about this one place or this one thing. And I think too, it's really important for us women to honor, not only acknowledge their experience, the, our partner's experience, but to really honor that it is the experience that they're having and to trust that their partner's relationship with the children is theirs 
to own and create and to be in. And, and we can be encouraging and we can be empowering, but we also at some level need to just let go and trust that they're going to do the best that they can do. And everybody's going to be fine yeah, or I not fine, too. but it's, you know, it's all going <laughs> right. to roll out. Right. And we yeah. can, there's, cause I think there's also this tendency, I know in the parent child relationship, but I think also in the partner relationship to hang on and, um, and to be really attached to what that other person's relationship looks like. And I don't think that that serves us very well. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I, I think it's important and just to follow up what you were saying that, you know, there's, there's one thing to think about that we can both be parents. Like for instance, my wife and I parent differently. Mm-hmm. You know, our relationship with our kids is different and our parenting styles can be different, mm-hmm. but they're, they're different because we're unique people and because we have unique personalities mm-hmm. and because we made a conscious effort to try and play to our strengths. Mm-hmm. They're not different because we have some fundamental disagreement about the way to be a parent and are thus going against that. Right. right and I right. think that's something to really try and foster in not just men, but in relationships, in that yeah. partner relationship, that we can be different parents headed towards the same goal. Yes. And that's, we just want to understand that we're headed toward the same goal. If we choose to do that in a different way, because I'm better at this, but you're better at that, or you're more comfortable this way, and I'm more comfortable that way, that's totally fine. We don't want to be the same parent. We just want to be parenting in the same direction. Love that. Love that. Thank you so much, Jeremy. That is so, I think that, that just feels really freeing, right? And I'm I'm going to make yeah. an assumption myself to say that I bet the people that are listening to this show are going to, are feeling a sense of freedom inside of that as well. So in the context of co-parenting in a way that's helpful and not hurtful, what does joyful courage mean to you? I thought about this. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Um, I did. <laughs> it's interesting. I think, you know, ha- having survived a pretty traumatic childhood, mm. I think about courage a lot. I don't normally think about it in the, in terms of myself. And that's something that I've been working on, mm-hmm. you know, to give myself uh credit for how far I've come and what I've been able to do and the, the kind of relationships I've been able to build with my family. I think that joyful courage is really being able to enjoy. It's not just, it's not the success. I'm trying to think of the right word. Joyful courage to me is being able to kind of bask in this life I've built, right? It took a lot of work to get where I am. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I have worked very hard to get where we are together. And we've worked very hard to uh, survive as long as we have with our kids and get this far. And I think to me, like, you know, one of the phrases that I play a lot in my head is the term happy chaos. Like Mm -hmm. I think of our life as kind of a happy chaos. Chaos doesn't have to be bad. And that's kind of the way we think about it. My life is chaos. It's just straight chaotic because having teenagers and wanting to be there for them and and wanting to be there for my wife and build this business and so on and so forth, right? It's it's chaos, Mm -hmm. but there's a happy chaos to it because it all involves things that I love. And to me, joyful courage has that same kind of feel, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, the, freedom, the, the sort of joyfulness of doing something that takes an enormous effort and overcoming anxiety and fear to be able to do it. But that doesn't mean that it's bad. It can still be joyful in that experience of it. Yeah. Thank you. Where can listeners find your book and follow your work? 
So uh, you can check out my website. It's jgs.net. So it's just my initials, Jeremy G. Schneider, mm -hmm. jgs.net. And you can buy my book there. And soon I'm going to have an ebook coming out, and which is a, another little piece about um, some of my early fatherhood experiences. And then next year, my memoir is going to come out. It's called In My Rearview Mirror. Mm. And it's going to talk about kind of what I've overcome to get to the place where I am today. And I'm looking forward to being able to share that. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on and well, having this conversation with me, Jeremy. It was really great. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Joyful Courage community, you are amazing. Big thanks and love to my team, including producer Chris Mann at Podshaper. Please be sure to join in the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can view the current Joyful Courage programs and my coaching offers over at the webpage. Simply head to www.joyfulcourage.com to find more support for your conscious parenting journey. If you want to give back to the show, and I really hope you do, become a patron. Click donate on the website to give back to the show that gives you so much. Any comments or feedback about this episode or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. Reach out. Take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat, and trust that everything is going to be okay. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.